Hello and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're talking about IS7, the statement of cash flows. And I'm joined today by one of our regular favourites. It's Mr. Tony DeBell. Round of applause for Tony DeBell. And he's one of our leading IFRS technical partners. Welcome back, Tony. Thank you. Not bored of us yet. Not Not yet. Sneaked you back in. Okay, so we're starting with cash flow statements. I'm sure I remember doing that in like day two of accounting school. So I feel like it should be basic. But what we're going to focus on today is where can you go wrong? Where is it tricky in the standard? What do the regulators look for? And then maybe a little bit about what the board are doing. So let's start at the beginning. What is a cash flow statement and why is it important? So let's start with the objective of financial statements, which is to provide useful information about an entity's financial performance, financial position and cash flows to a range of users. Now, investors' decisions about an entity are often based on its ability to generate returns, which in turn depends to a large extent on the entity's ability to generate cash flows. Understanding cash flows is therefore critical to making investment decisions, and to me that's what makes the cash flow statement important. Investors want to understand how an entity turns its operating profits into operating cash flows and how it uses that cash. I think investors would often say that it's a warning sign if revenue and operating profits are not reflected in corresponding cash inflows. And the cash flow statement can also provide useful information about an entity's uh, ability to meet its obligations. And finally, it's often an area of focus for securities regulators. Wow, so that's a long list of why it is so important. So, uh, you know, cash is cash flow statement is important. And, you know, you learn as a baby accountant, cash is king. So <laughs> what we're going to look for in this episode is what are, you know, some of the areas that a regulator might look at? Okay. So top of the list uh, in terms of what regulators focus on is, is often what gets included in cash and that curious category, cash equivalents. Okay, so cash equivalents. I've got my IS7 in front of me. Let's read what the definition is. It says it's short term, highly liquid investments that are readily convertible to known amounts of cash and which are subject to insignificant risk of changes in value. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Nice and easy. So what does that mean, Tony? It is a mouthful, but I think in very simple terms, it means that a cash equivalent is an investment that an entity can get a hold of immediately and where it knows pretty much the amount it's able to get a hold of. So that means it's subject to an insignificant risk of changes in value, highly liquid, so the entity can get a hold of it uh, almost immediately, uh, which means it is typically short-term. And short-term typically means a maturity period of three months from the date of the initial investment, not the date of the balance sheet. I think often uh, determining whether something meets the definition of a cash equivalent and is therefore short-term subject to insignificant risk of change in value and highly liquid can be relatively straightforward. But there can also be circumstances in which it's a bit more challenging. So, for example, there are some money market funds that might meet the definition of of a cash equivalent, but that's not always the case. It can also be challenging in connection with cash balances that are subject to some sort of restriction 
or maybe to balances that lose interest if they are withdrawn immediately. And one final thing to think about is that it's important to remember that cash equivalents have to be held for the purpose of meeting short-term cash commitments, so settling liabilities, rather than for investment. Okay, so there, although in most circumstances it's probably straightforward to work out, there are definitely a few key areas where it can be challenging. It is, and I think for that reason it's important that entities have a clear uh, accounting policy statement describing what is included in cash equivalents. Okay, so clear policies for everybody. What, what's next on the regulator's tick list? I think classification, and in particular the classification of cash flows outside of operating cash flows. Okay, so the cash flow statement is divided broadly into three areas. You've got operating, investing and financing. Where can that be tricky? Where can it go wrong? So operating cash flow is the default category. So anything that doesn't meet the definition of an investing cash flow or a financing cash flow gets reported as an operating cash flow. Investing cash flows are classified that way if they result from the acquisition or the disposal of a non-current asset. Financing cash flows are those that arise from changes in the debt or equity of an entity. Now, again, they sound reasonably straightforward. Uh, Is the transaction with either the acquisition or disposal of a non-current asset or does it affect debt or equity? But again, there can be challenges. Uh, And so areas where there are challenges, for example, transactions with non-controlling interests, which is typically um, a financing cash flow, not an investing cash flow. A contingent consideration in a business combination, accounting for service concessions during the construction phase, and maybe research and development expenditure that does not give rise to the recognition of a non-current asset. Okay, so again, there's some areas where you really have to think twice about what area does it go in. Mm-hmm. And what, what and about anything else? Any other regulator things that they look for? I guess other things where I've seen regulators focus is on netting. So the principle in IS7 is that pretty much all cash flows are presented gross. Netting's permitted only in very limited circumstances. Uh, Securities regulators often ask about the disclosures of material non-cash financing and investing transactions. So, for example, an entity might acquire an asset under an operating lease. It might acquire a business through the issue of shares. There are no cash flows, but IS7 requires disclosure of material non-cash transactions. And the other thing that I've seen regulators ask questions about is the point at which the cash flow statement begins. Is it profit after tax? Is it profit before tax? Is it operating profit? Yeah. And what if you're reviewing a a set of financials, just like a regulator would, what are you looking out for? So in addition to the things that I've talked about before, I think my favourite issue, the one that that I go looking for, is, is inconsistency. So is, there, is the cash flow statement inconsistent with the information presented in the primary financial statements or in the notes of the financial statements? Okay, and what sort of inconsistencies might you see? What I'm looking for is, is balance sheet movements or transactions that are described in the financial statements for which I cannot see a corresponding cash flow. So can I reconcile additions in the PP&E notes to the cash outflow for the acquisition of assets? Is there a movement in working capital that doesn't appear to be reflected on the, on the balance sheet? Has there been a change in taxes that doesn't appear to be reflected through a payment to the tax authority? So those are the sorts of things that I would look for. 
I love it how Tony describes this as his favourite issue. No one obviously can see his face, but he's getting very excited. I can tell this is one of his favourite bits of his job. Ticking cash flow statement. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so moving on, we now know what regulators look for. We know what Tony loves and looks for in his uh, financial statement reviews. What is the board doing, though? Are they, in their work plan, is there anything about developing IS7? Not really. So I, the board's discussed a couple of IS7 issues. The Interpretations Committee discussed a couple of IS7 issues in the recent past. But at the moment, there are no plans for a fundamental review of IS7 and challenges with the definition of cash and cash equivalents or with classification are likely to remain. Brilliant. So we know all there is to know about IS7. This podcast will live on forever. We're, we're okay. But are there any other initiatives at the board which could impact cash flow statements? Yeah, there is. There, um, there is one. So as part of the disclosure initiative, the board has amended IS7 to address a specific concern of uh, users and investors. So if you think about what I was talking about just now around consistency, in many cases, I think investors can look at the cash flow statement, look at the balance sheet movements and have a good understanding of the extent to which those balance sheet movements are reflected in cash movements. So there are tables for intangible assets and PP&E and provisions that show the opening balance, cash movements, uh, and non-cash movements. But there is a gap. Uh, There is no requirement for a movement table at the moment in connection with borrowings. And so the question that users have had is is how can we get an understanding of the impact of non-cash transactions on borrowings? Okay, and so what's what's the board doing? What's their answer to that problem? So the board has decided to introduce an additional disclosure requirement which says that entities are required to provide disclosures that enable users of financial statements to evaluate changes in liabilities arising from financing activities, including cash and non-cash changes. And so the objective of that is to require entities to explain how you get from opening borrowings to closing borrowings. They've used liabilities that arise from financing activities because that is something that is already defined. They don't have to define borrowings or debt or net debt or anything like that. And what they want entities to explain is what are the cash movements? So new drawdowns and repayments. But what are the non-cash movements? So, for example, business combinations or changes in foreign currency. So that users can understand how you get from the opening balance to the closing balance. And is there, like, I'd expect to see that in a table. Is there a specific format? No, there's not. The board wanted to establish a disclosure principle. And the principle is that you need to provide enough information for users to understand and evaluate the cash and non-cash movements. But they didn't mandate a particular format. It may well be easier in a table, but that's not mandatory. It could be done through narrative. And it's up to entities to think about the, the way they can best comply with the requirement. Okay, so you need to comply, but you can set it up in your accounts how you want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So when, when is that effective? 1st of January 2017. So it is effective for 2017 calendar year ends. Okay, so as we're coming towards the year end, if you haven't updated that bit of your financial statements, that's a note that needs to go in. On our, we're coming to the end now. We've talked a bit about what regulators focus on, what you focus on, and this new disclosure requirement. Have you got any final tips for the listeners on things they can do in their cash flow statement? I think, remember, it's important to users. 
Remember, it provides important information to have a complete picture of the entity's financial position and performance. Uh, remembers that, remember even that regulators care about it. And so you know, some of the issues that, that we've talked about during the course of this podcast and, and, and that we see in practice could easily be addressed. Probably my, my last thought is just don't leave it to last. Yeah, and look out for those inconsistencies. Do a Tony review. (laughs) That's going to be my parting words. Perfect. So thank you for joining us again, Tony. Please come back soon. Uh, Our podcast edition today was around the cash flow statement. That's IS7. If you'd like more information, please visit our website on pwc.com forward slash IFRS. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. Happy accounting. The preceding program was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.